talk show for all things automotive. From the latest news to the greatest views. And the biggest names in rolling iron. Your host is Brett Hatfield, freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com. And owner of his own small but growing fleet of cool cars. Get behind the wheel of an hour of car talk starting right now. Thank you for listening to Driven Radio. We're your home for the very best in automotive content and interviews. If you're listening to us, you are in the know. You can find us online at readthedriven.com, on iTunes, Pippa, Stitcher, Google Play, and everywhere fine podcasts are heard. Please follow us on Facebook at forward slash Driven Radio Show, on Twitter at Driven Radio Show, and on Instagram at Read the Driven. We're coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in Overland Park, Kansas. I'm your host, Brett Hatfield, here with my co-host, Vern Estes, Shelby expert and owner of the world's lowest volume car dealership. Wait, I'm here. You're here. Oh, wow. Okay. Absolutely, you're here. And our intrepid engineer, Matthew Hickman. This week, we have news about the passing of an automotive icon. We've got some C8 Corvette Z06 and ZR1 news. And our special guest this week is Sarah Portia de Carmen, CEO and co-founder of Los Angeles Dismantler, who will be talking to us about Porsches, how she got into the business, and what it takes to succeed in a male-dominated industry. Later in Exit Lane Live, we'll have all the shows and events you need to keep your weekends full. And we got a lot of ground to cover so let's get to it. Okay, first things first, got to get to the good stuff. New Corvette news. Of course. Every damn week. Sure. Uh, I got nothing against it, Ford guy, but I think it's a cool car. No, and I'm excited for it. And we kind of, we knew about this a little bit. Uh, this has been coming. There's been lots of rumors and lots of other stuff, but we're finally getting some details. Uh, there's reports, reports floating around about a twin turbo V8 Corvette ZR1 in the works. Helped by an electric motor, right? Wasn't that the room? No, 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 no. Uh, hang on. You're jumping the gun. Twin turbo V8 Corvette ZR1 with a possible Z06 adopting a naturally aspirated 600 horse engine. Uh, that's not, it's 50 less than the current Z06, which uh, has a 650 horse output, but. It's naturally aspirated. It's also a rear engine. You probably wind up getting better performance in the long run. And I believe, according to reports, they're just going to buy the 5.2 liter Voodoo motor from Ford Motor Company, right? <laughs> and put it right in. <laughs> Ford's already developed uh, it. So well. I'm not sure that's how that's going to work. Um, <laughs> as for the ZR1, reportedly a twin turbo V8, double overhead cam, and possibly a flat plane crank. So a uh, flat plane crank like the Voodoo motor, but uh, the engine they're saying is uh, it will feature elements common with the Cadillac uh, Blackwing motor that's also a double overhead cam twin turbo V8 but it'll be a unique design to the Corvette. The cat images of the engine referred to as the LT7 first surfaced a couple years ago in 2017. Both cars are unlikely to have manual transmissions. Everybody's sure. saying that they're just going to go with a dual clutch and that's all they're going to use. As most, most high-end manufacturers are doing. You know, I, everybody keeps coming back to that. If you look at the exotics and near exotics that perform in this world, uh, in that in that arena, the only one you're really seeing that has a manual transmission is the Porsche 911. And the thing about the Porsche 911 is that the the highest Porsche 911 that's going to have a manual transmission is going to be a GT3 variant. Like the GT2 can't be had with a with a 
with a clutch pedal. So, and that's considered the, as of right now, that's considered the highest performance variant. Well, and the other thing about not having a manual transmission is the dual clutches are so much faster than sure. you could ever be with a manual. Well, it's all about Nurburgring lap times and zero to 60 times. I mean, I think that we're entering a world where the second tier of the highest performance cars are going to continue to be offered a manual transmission, sort of like what you would consider enthusiast cars like GT3s or GT350s. But when it comes to a GT500 or the highest end Corvettes or the highest end Lamborghinis and Ferraris, the highest Porsches. Uh, yeah, it just seems like it the can't very, be had. They they want the the magazine test numbers that that uh, that can only really be had with dual clutch transmissions. And, and you're just you're not seeing that many high uh, high end performance cars or super f- performance cars come out with manual transmissions. They and just when aren't they doing do, it. nobody buys them. Like people complain when they don't have them, but then when they're offered, nobody buys them unless it's the only option. So in the GT350, you can't get an automatic transmission, but like other than the GT3, which even still most of them are delivered in PDK, whenever manual transmissions have been offered in the highest end supercars, people complain about it if it's not, but when it is, they don't sell well anyway, so there's no incentive to the manufacturer to do that. And there are a certain number of people who use these cars as their daily driver. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know as well as I do, getting caught in traffic in a manual transmission car is just miserable. Sure. You wind up, you know, sitting there and wearing out your clutch leg, and it's a, it's a pain in the rear to do. A Dual clutch is easier to live with. It mm-hmm. flat is. Now, all of that said, because you can only get a GT350 with a manual, I would actually go hunt a GT350 for the manual transmission. I still like a manual transmission. Sure. But uh, those cars are about experience, though, and not necessarily about well, flat-out numbers, you know? Yeah. So it's 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 for the highest end, for the cars that are really chasing the top-line numbers, you know, to put in the magazines and brag about, those are the cars that are going to get dual clutches, and the cars that are all about feel and experience are going to continue to get manual. I absolutely agree. Now, there are rumors still floating around of a Zora model that would be north of uh, ZR1 in performance. And for those, they're talking about all-wheel drive, hybrid powertrain, a 1,000 horsepower, and something that would actually go after the Ferrari SF90 Stradale uh, as a target. Now, that'd be fun to see. Oh, please. Oh, please. Oh, please. I I really, really, really want to see one of those. But uh, it sounds like there's definitely going to be a Z06, definitely going to be a ZR1, only going to be able to get them with a dual clutch. Sounds like the Z06 will be around 600 horsepower. Although, you know, since we haven't even seen a production Stingray yet, uh, be curious to see where the numbers actually hit. They've said 495 for the Stingray. I'm thinking that those might come out and have just a fuzz over five so they can cross the mark. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if they would then try to push the Z06 a little above uh, the 600 mark because the current one's at 650. Now, on a somewhat related note, did you hear the press blurbs about how they believe the second year of the mid-engine Corvette is going to start at above 60,000? Oh, I'm sure it will. Basically, I'm absolutely basically sure people are making the argument that for the first release year, they had, they had pushed it down below $60,000 for the press releases, but that they're going to arbitrarily raise the price to a little bit above 60, which doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It's just more about putting together a good press release. I saw a, a post on social media from somebody who had ordered a new Stingray uh, 2LT Z51. And the 2LT is the the middle tier uh, sure. option package with the Z51, which is the handling and performance package. And he said that a uh, sticker on it was 87. 
So wow. that sub 60 mark, okay, it's something you can talk about. And uh, certainly if you're a manufacturer of another mid-engine exotic and you're pushing out around five or 600 horsepower and your car is 150 to $200,000, having Chevy come out and that say, really drives it home 60. is that even somebody is posting about how it's as high as 87 when in it's, reality, it's still half the price of any other miniature car. Yeah, nothing else even gets <laughs> close. Uh, you know, for all the other manufacturers who are making stuff that it would be similar, good Lord, wouldn't you be a little bit scared? Mm-hmm. Just a little? You're thinking Chevy's going to undercut me by half? That means that if somebody could buy a new Corvette, load it out, and have money left over? Suddenly, there's a lot of stuff out there that doesn't look so attractive. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't look so attractive. Anymore. So, uh, no surprise uh, no surprise there. I'd be scared that, to death. Uh, absolutely cool that we've got new reports of new stuff coming, and uh, really look forward to see how that comes out. Hey, our special guest this week, is Sarah De Carmen. She's the CEO of LA Dismantler. It's a Porsche dismantling business in LA. Uh, she's going to be here to talk to us about how she got into the business, what it takes to succeed at the business, and uh, how a Porsche dismantler actually works. All this and much more is coming up on Driven Radio. to Driven Radio coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in Overland Park, Kansas. Our special guest this week is Sarah DeCarmen, CEO and co-founder of LA Dismantler, a Porsche dismantling specialty house. Sarah's been in the Porsche world for 30 years. She and her late husband co-founded Los Angeles Dismantler in the 1990s, and it became the most sought-after Porsche parts distributors worldwide. After her husband's passing, Sarah forged ahead, becoming one of the most established in the field, a rare feat in a predominantly male-dominated industry. Sarah, Welcome to Driven Radio. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a nice introduction. Uh, uh, you certainly earned it. Now, how did you and your husband get into this business? Well, it started out when he was a teenager. He had his first Porsche, and as Porsches go, if they, uh, you know, be buy <laughs> used Porsche, you don't always know what you're getting. So something had gone wrong with it, and he'd taken to a few mechanics, and then, you know, eventually, as a teenager who doesn't have a lot of funding, he starts to say, "Hmm, what's a more economical way that I can?" you know, kind of service my car. So what happened is that um, he was already in the automotive industry. His family had uh, done things body shops, and then they were actually in the salvage industry at this point. They did Honda and Acura. So he decided that he'd buy a car and take off the parts that he needed and then go ahead and sell the rest of them. And that's kind of how the ball got rolling, we'll say. So um, he did that a few times just kind of more as a hobbyist, you know, taking it apart. And then I came along and I studied, uh, or I had to pick a, a field to study when I went back to Pepperland Business School. And... So I decided to study the salvage industry. And within that, you know, I, I was kind of, I was doing a, a night program and then um, starting to help him. I just kept seeing his phone ringing and I said, you know, that, that's money calling. These are all Porsche guys that, you know, that need something. So I started, you know, kind of answering the phone and we just kind of rolled from there. You know, it was kind of at a point where um, working with his family wasn't necessarily going to be a viable option because, you know, as families get together and <laughs> you know, move through the course of life, sometimes you're... You're flowing and sometimes you're not. So it just kind of was like a, a whole host of perfect opportunities. So 
after your husband passed, uh, did you ever consider not continuing with this? Um, I've had my moments, definitely. Um, it's just, you know, when you've got a partner of 24 years and they're no longer on the earth and you've started something, it was like our first baby. We've had other babies since then, but this was really my first child. So, you know, sitting in his office sometimes or just being surrounded by really what was, you know, our creation together with his hobby, but then our creation. Um, you know, it's tough. Sometimes it's tough to sit in that seat and, and, you know, realize, you know, what you've come from and where you're going and, you know, just kind of the natural thought process of life. So who are your primary customers? Who do you sell to mostly? Uh, we're about 50% retail and 50% wholesale. So the retail is going to be the end user, which is going to be a Porsche owner. And the wholesale side is going to be anywhere from Porsche dealerships, the body shops, the mechanics, and, and the, vessels, the whole sector. And how do you find the cars you dismantle? I mean, what are your sources? And uh, do most of them come from the L.A. area? Uh, we actually buy from all over the country. So we've even bought international sometimes. The majority of cars we get are going to be coming through auctions. So, um, for example, if you had a car and you were in a significant enough accident and your car was declared to be a total loss by the insurance company, the insurance company would um, gain ownership of it unless somehow you negotiated a deal and you bought salvage back. Then it would go to an auction, uh, two primary ones in the field because they've consolidated a lot of them. And so most of them are all online, and that's changed during the course of, you know, the 20-something years that we've been in business. And then we also get retail people. So that could be anywhere from maybe somebody that has a car that has significant enough damage, and maybe they didn't have insurance on it, or it's a blown engine where they can't really get in the retail market, you know, what they were going to want for the vehicle. So they would come to somebody like us. Are a lot of those through uh, insurance company websites or insurance sales? Not through the insurance company directly, but the insurance companies go through auctions in order to facilitate the transaction. So, so they're like the, the auction houses are an intermediary. And it's not just Porsches, it's every, you know, possible make and model. Sure. So once you found this car... And had it delivered to your uh, your facility in L.A. On average, how long does it take to strip all the useful parts from a wreck? Well, it really depends, and I think different dismantlers maybe do it differently. I look at a an incoming car. So we, ha- you know, we're in Los Angeles. It's extremely high real estate versus maybe other people that are in other parts of the country that might have a wider facility. And I have to really kind of keep things what I call a pretty little package. So when the car arrives, it's it's all you know perfectly compact like a little box. And as soon as you start to open the box and take out all the pieces, now you have a wider spread of pieces that you now have to stack and so forth. So when we receive a car, we don't always take them apart until we actually need something. So we've got a lot of parts that have already been taken off during the years because maybe we salvaged the things that were viable from the car, but then in order to save space, we scrapped the rest of the body that was, you know, sometimes they come in and they look like a pizza pie box. So we'll, we'll scrap all those parts and then we'll retain the loose parts. But the, we keep cars, you know, pretty complete until we need to actually take them apart. Do you limit that to just the mechanical, the engine, the transmission, the suspension, or do you also save the soft parts, the interiors? Oh, yes. Everything is, is um, a possibly good item to sell. Again, really depending on how the car came in, what the damage looked like, where the collision was, you know, how exposed things were to the elements during time. So you've got everything from the wheels to the uh, suspensions to the wiring, and those wiring harnesses are a big deal. Um, again, because if you're looking at a, a different collision car, so let's say someone that has a repair car, well, if they have a front-end collision and the wiring that delivers all of the um, the power going up to all the, the, the front-end or rearing components or wherever you're talking about, or they're rewiring it for a different engine to be put into our, 
all of this stuff is important. Everything. I mean, I don't. We don't go down to the point of tracking nuts and bolts and things like that. But definitely, you know, interior components. Let's say you even bought a car with a bone white interior, and although it was probably beautiful at purchase, bone white after 10 or 20 years may not look so white anymore. So we definitely have sold, you know, complete changeover kits, either in a unique color or in a black color. Um, every color that comes in is pretty different. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Porsche offers color to sample exterior colors and also color to sample interiors. Uh, do you find that that's something you do want to have or don't want to have? Do you avoid those? Uh, so if we're talking about exterior, we don't guarantee paint on any painted item because let's say that you have a specific green or blue or whatever color it is. Depending on how old the car is, like let's say you've garaged your car and the cars that you get in, Obviously, they've already, you know, had their wear. They've been in and maybe possibly sitting a lot. They were in a collision, so they've been exposed to sun damage. Or maybe it's the opposite, where we get in a garage car and you've got, you know, a car that's been sitting and exposed to Albert. It's never going to be a perfect match. So some people really like to get very specific that they want to, they think they're going to buy a, you know, Arctic Silver bumper and stick it on their Arctic Silver car. You get it on there and you're going to notice a difference. So it almost always has to be painted. Sure. And then when you get into interior colors, uh, the rarer the color, the harder it's defined. I mean, even in navy, that doesn't seem like it's going to be, you know, that difficult or challenging. You know, you've got not only the color, but then you've also got um, the, the different options for componentry. So you could have uh, like a, kind of like a, a weave pattern or you could have uh, a perforated pattern or different things like that. So even you can get the color, but now you have, you know, different style components. So, you know, sometimes I look at these portions of our own and they have these beautiful interiors that are all custom done and they've got different piping and so forth. And the sad thing is, from my perspective, I always think, oh man, that's going to be hard to replace if you damage it. We're speaking to Sarah DeCarmen, CEO and co-founder of LA Dismantler, a Porsche dismantling specialty house. Uh, Sarah, so how much cheaper is it for customers to buy from you than from a dealership? You know, it really depends. Everything in our, in our industry kind of is a supply and demand. So since we go all the way back to the 70s up to the current models, um, the, the things that are no longer available from the dealership, then you're just looking at what the open market is providing. And so if there is only one of a very rare off item, that's going to be more expensive part to find because it's so hard to get to acquire. Something but like an 89, got, 930 engine? Yeah, well, not only that. I mean, engine components, definitely. But even, okay, we talked about soft components of interiors. If you've got a specific set of sports seats or... Um, and it could be, it could be anything. It could be, you know, whether it's a mechanical item or a soft interior item or whatever. It just, it, it, it could be a slant, let's say slant low fenders or Caesar parts, any of these kind of things where you're, you get into the rare specifics that the dealerships are not making them anymore. Porsche is not making them. And so, you know, they become kind of a hard to find thing on the market. So the price is going to go up for those items. But then you get into more generic items that everybody has. You know, a typical, let's say, Boxster 996, you know, steering, um, you know, uh, portions of it. It's like that's a very common thing. So the price is going to be driven way, way, really, really low. So it really just depends on kind of what the market is doing. Is there a single most requested part? What part is, is most commonly shipped or bought? Uh, I would say headlights and taillights. So the typical damage on most cars is going to be a front end collision um, or a rear end collision. <laughs> how they were hit. And, um, so it's hard to keep those in stock because, you know, you've got, you know, so our car, our cars are coming in with the front or rear hit and then as well as your car has got a front or rear hit. So those sell very quickly. Same thing with bumpers, you know, things like that. Just the typical kind of, you know, 
uh, light, light hits. We're speaking with Sarah DeCarmen, CEO and co-founder of Los Angeles Dismantler. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the more common Porsche issues, uh, what Sarah likes to drive, and what the future holds for LA Dismantler. All this and more is coming up next on Driven Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio, coming to you from Driven Radio Studios. When we left, we were talking to Sarah DeCarmen, CEO and co-founder of Los Angeles Dismantler, a Porsche dismantler in uh, Los Angeles, obviously. And uh, we were discussing some of the more common things that are sold. Sarah, you've got quite a facility there. How big is your facility? How many cars do you have? How many parts do you have on hand? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so number of parts, I'd say in the hundreds of thousands. I don't even know if I get to an exact count. There's a lot. Um, in terms of, of the, the width of the facility, so as I was explaining, you know, in L.A. real estate is, is you know, it's, it's hard to acquire large units of real estate when you're in the midst of L.A. So I love the fact that we are in Los Angeles, but then I also have to kind of compromise in terms of, you know, affordability. So we had to tear up, meaning that I have, we've built three floors into our facility, and then we have a lift that brings us up to each one of those floors. Um, and then in terms of cars, we usually have hundreds of cars between our, our, our few different yards. Um, that we're switching in and out. And, and I was talking before about, you know, once we remove and kind of strip everything from a car, you know, maybe we'll sell that chassis off or maybe we'll just end up taking it to the crusher in order to make room for new cars. So it's kind of a, a constant thing. You have to watch and see what is still good on cars and kind of look for the end of the light cars that you need to move out and make room for new things. What's the single toughest part to get? What is in high demand that you have trouble keeping on hand? Uh, well, we talked earlier about some specialty parts, so those are kind of the things. So again, when you get into the features, or when you get into um, the high-end turbos, uh, whether it's just the like we talked about turbo engines earlier. Even rarer than that, I'll get into we talked about interior components. So let's say you have a burr wood, or you have a carbon fiber. Well, when they you know were purchased new, they all looked beautiful and shiny, and then you know over the years, the there's a lot of cracking and stuff like that's happening. So you know people call it, well, I want a complete carbon interior kit that's 20 years old. And it's like, well, you know, unfortunately, first is going to necessarily be in better shape. Every now and then you do get one where you have a a very low mileage car that comes in, um, but those kind of things are, are definitely hard to acquire. Are there parts that you won't salvage? Um, pretty much everything is, is accessible. I mean, there's things that are just typically breaking on certain cars. So if you look at certain series, the very small kind of little plastic tabs, whether you're talking about uh, the visors that pull down and the little tiny plastic tabs that are holding on to the little flap in the front or on door pockets, there's a little tabs that hold on to where the door pocket um, uh, flaps are. Um, you know, things like fender liners and the underliners of a car, even though a lot of people want to get them, they're very large to ship because they, you can't really fold them up. Uh, and a lot of times they come in just, you know, with, with a lot of wear and tear and they're already cracked and so forth. So, you know, you start to acquire piles and piles of those things and it's hard to, you know, kind of have the space affordability. So you have to really think about what they're going to sell for, what's the value of it, and, you know, how long do I need to keep these things. Do you sell any complete cars? 
Uh, we do, yeah. I mean, depending on how the car comes in, we get people that are interested in, in you know, making projects out of it. So you've got anywhere from someone that's maybe trying to get a clip off of the car. So they're going to be piecing together maybe a friend of something, or they're going to be doing maybe a wide body conversion where they want to get the turbo quarters, or they want to do a face flip. Sometimes uh, people are doing that uh, back in some of the series, or they want to put a different engine into different cars. So, you know, everybody has a different project, as I said, but definitely we have a whole wide variety of builders, uh, specs, you know, uh, race cars, all kinds of stuff. Outlaws, outlaws are a big thing these days. After being in this business for 30 years, certainly you must have a favorite. Do you have a favorite Porsche? I still do like the 903 Turbo S. That kind of is my favorite. So the Turbos, the 903 is beautiful as it is, it being an air cool. Then you've got the 903 Turbo, and then you've got the 903 Turbo S, which had a special tail on it. And that's, I mean, there's just something about, I love a big tail on a Porsche. You know, I, I like even in the newer series, you've got the GT3 Tourings that are coming out. And I'm like, if I'm going to have a deep three, I want a big butt on it. <laughs> I like a wide body car. I, I, I call it childbearing hip. <laughs> so you've got a favorite. Uh, do you drive a Porsche daily? What's your daily? Uh really depends. So I have four kids. And as we know, Porsches don't all have <laughs> really wide clear seats. So um, it really depends on who I'm hauling around, what I need to do. If I'm, you know, I, I, over these years, I mean, I, I've had probably almost every single Porsche out there in terms of what we carry. So uh, my late husband was very into exotics. We had Carrera GTs. We had, you know, everywhere. Don't tell Porsche I cheated on them, but we had, you know, Ferraris and Lamborghinis and McLarens and all the oh, cars wow. and all kinds of fancy stuff. So that's a lot for me to manage right now. I don't really have that kind of fleet. Um, my GT3 is still sitting up on the lift because as a business owner, you know, it's kind of like our, our own personal projects kind of get pushed to the side. So, it's, you know, do I ship a customer's order out or do I have my mechanic working on my own pet project? So, sure. um, yeah, I've got some of my, my kind of fancier versions that are, you know, <laughs> still waiting, <laughs> we'll say. Um, and then in my house, I usually have any work with, you know, basic boxers. I've got Hummers. Uh, if I have a lot of people I'm running around. You know, why can it usually? So it's constantly changing. So we're speaking to Sarah DeCarmen, CEO and co-founder of L.A. Dismantler. Sarah, you've done a show a while back for Nat Geo, and we understand that you're in talks to do a reality show. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so a gentleman had approached me a couple of years ago um, from the entertainment industry. There have been talks, you know, several times after the Nat Geo. Uh, that deal was, was a show called, um, Break It Down. That was the series. And then we had a show called Porsche and Pieces. And it was really fun to have them come in and just kind of, you know, showcase our facility, um, you know, to a wider audience. And it, and it aired all around the world. So that was really fun. So this new reality show, we haven't quite gotten to the filming portion, but we've had a lot of talks about kind of what direction we want to go. Um, it'll probably be somewhat in the interpersonal, you know, interactions and so forth with the employees and then also, you know, some kind of highlights and maybe some things that are going to be happening with customers, you know, builds that they're going to do and so forth. So uh, we haven't actually started the production portion of it. And there's a couple different ways we can go. We can either go and try to, you know, go to major networks. We'll kind of do it, you know, in a, in a smaller style. But I kind of think we're going to do, you know, a smaller rollout just to kind of, you know, get the floor going and, you know, if I feel on camera, it's always fun. So, this is my, always my favorite question of anybody we have on the show, and it's the one I save for the end of the interview. What's the dumbest thing you've ever done in a car? <laughs> the dumbest thing? Well, I'd say 
I'd say crash it if I say the dumbest thing. Um, well, so I mean, I, I definitely had my speed racer days. I was I was kind of a street racer in my 20s. My girlfriend and I would go on Sunset Boulevard and, and find people to race, and that was always fun. And I definitely had a couple spin outs. But I will say so, if I'm excluding myself, the dumbest car thing that we've done in our family, um, <laughs> my, my late husband had a, he'd just driven up, and he was a very distracted person, and so... He was on the cell phone and he had driven up in his, his, you know, balloon white Aventador, parked it, was walking inside and my dad, my daughter was watching this whole thing and she says, Daddy, Daddy, your car is rolling. And he was like, what? And he turns around and looks and he's got this Lamborghini Aventador rolling down my driveway, which is a very steep hill. And thankfully there was a tree that stopped its progress. So it didn't oh roll down into my neighbor's yard. So oh, I might man. say, uh, yeah, it's, it has now taken out this tree, the most dominant tree in my whole yard, and it, it's still this amazing height. But, you know, <laughs> since then, all the leaves have fallen off, fallen off and I think it's demise has, you know, undertaken. So, We've been- yeah, dumb car stories. Sarah, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. We've been speaking to Sarah DeCarmen, CEO and co-founder of Los Angeles Dismantler, a Porsche dismantling specialty house. You can find Sarah on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can find LA Dismantler on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, as well as online at www.ladismantler.com. As always, you can find all of these links on readthedriven.com. Sarah, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you being with us. Next up in Exit Lane Line... I'm sorry, go right ahead. No, I just say I really appreciate you having me on. I just it's it's so nice to to you know be heard by other people and you know introduce something. I love meeting people that I that I've met um, online in person. So if anybody's at car events, you see a six foot blonde walking around, make sure to come and say hello. I'll certainly look forward to it. Thank you, Sarah. Next up in Exit Lane Live, we have all the September shows and events coming up in and around Kansas City. That and much more coming up here on Driven Radio. Driven Radio coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in Overland Park, Kansas. We got a ton of shows this week and uh, lots of events coming up in and around Kansas City. We're going to try to squeeze in as many as we can, so let's get to it. September 7th in Lawrence, Kansas. Jack's 2019 Summer's End at Broken Arrow Park, 31st in Louisiana. Cruise in and barbecue battle from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Free to the public. For more information, send an email to summers.end.cruise.in at gmail.com. Boy, that was an amazing web address. Yeah, that's, that's a long one. Woo. September 7th in Liberty, Missouri, we got the third annual Toy Driving Car Show for Kids. It's at Lowe's Home Improvement Center at 1920 North Stewart Road. It's from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. to benefit Children's Mercy Hospital. September 7th in Olathe, Kansas, we've got the 2019 Johnson County Old Settlers Classic Car and Auto Show, 100 East Santa Fe from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Open to pre 1970 
99 cars and trucks. Registration is $30 and will include a t-shirt. For more information, go to www.johnsoncountyoldsettlers.com. Also on September 7th in Parkville, Missouri, we got the Dust Bowl Jamboree at English Landing Park. There's a vintage car poker run, departs at noon, open jam session from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m., concert from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. September 8th in Kansas City, Missouri, Imports and Performance Car Show KC at Kansas City Audi at 10330 Madison Avenue from 8.30 to 11.30 a.m. The event is free for cars and spectators, no restrictions on make or model. Call 816-699-7687 with any questions. Also on September 8th in Shawnee, Kansas, you got the 13th annual Wheels and Dreams Car, Truck, and Bike Show. That's at Shawnee Town, 1929 at 11.501 West 57th Street from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. Call 913-248-2360 to register. On September 12th in Gladstone, Missouri, we've got the annual Powerhouse Hot Rod and Classic Car Night at Gladstone Dodge Chrysler Jeep and Ram, 5610 North Oak Traffic Way from 530 to 830 p.m. Any and all classic hot rods or cool rides are welcome. This show is absolutely free. Call Andy Foster at 816-455-3500 or email afoster at gladstonedodge.com for questions. Then on September 14th in Independence, Missouri, we've got the 21st annual Legends of the Past Car Show. It's at the Gathering Baptist Church on Nolan Road Campus, 4505 South Nolan Road from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. No entry fees or pre-registration. All cars and motorcycles are welcome. Free food and beverages. Multiple $100 gift cards for tools. Also on September 14th at Kansas City, Kansas, the American Royal Barbecue Car Show, Kansas City Speedway at 400 Speedway Boulevard, 11 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. Check-in starts at 8.15 and goes to 9 a.m. Registration is $40. Vehicles will be staged on Daytona Drive and must be in place by 11 a.m. People's Choice judging for cash prizes. A goodie bag will contain two wristbands permitting entrance into the American Royal Barbecue Show, two tickets to the Kansas City Automotive Museum, a dash plaque, a t-shirt, and it's a public event uh, by the Kansas City Automotive Museum. For more information, go to www.kansascityautomuseum.com forward slash ARBB. Brett, I I just have to say something. The combination of goodie bags and barbecue, nearly, uh, it's unresistible. (laughs) September 14th, Kansas City, Kansas, the fifth annual classic car show, Unity One Credit Union, 4150 Kansas Avenue from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. It's free. See, if it was free with goodie bags and barbecue, then that would have been the ultimate show. I I think we would have had to take up residence there. I don't know what I would have done with myself. There's music, food, and lots of family fun. Lots of family fun. Register your classic car online by calling Ernie or Vicky at 913-342-9039 or online at info.unity1.org forward slash classic dash car dash show that's a really long address boy i'm exhausted (laughs) september 14th in kansas city missouri the kci cruise car show at kci ambassador building 12200 north ambassador drive from 3 p.m to 8 p.m there will be a 50 50 raffle of food trucks vendors and more all proceeds benefit the kansas city missouri combined charities program for more information go to www.kci.com carshow.com. September 14th in Kansas City, Missouri, we got the car show at the Trinity Christian Center at 5005 North Brighton Avenue. It's from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. It's a free car show with donations requested, live music and food, 
kid-friendly raffle, pinstriping, and, you guessed it, more barbecue. More barbecue. Call 816-453-5970 for more information. On September 14th in Merriam, Kansas, we've got the 19th annual Turkey Creek Car and Motorcycle Show at 5740 Merriam Drive. Pre-registration is $20. Day of the event is $30. From 10 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Parking lot closes at 7.30 p.m. Packet pickup and registration at 8 o'clock a.m. Awards at 3.30 p.m. All classes of cars, trucks, and motorcycles with a grand prize drawing of a $4,000 gift card. Uh, There will be a Young Gun Award with a $500 gift card and over 50 other awards. Music, great local food vendors, and you can call 913-322-5550 for more information. Finally, on September 15th in Kansas City, Kansas, we've got the Charity Automotive Event at Victory Chrysler Jeep at 1720 North 100th Terrace. Starts at noon. Car show, obstacle course. Obstacle course. Obstacle course and barbecue, barbecue competition. Raffles, music, all proceeds go to the family of Bo McCon, also known as Super Bo. Bo is entering fourth grade this year and has been fighting several illnesses, type 1 diabetes, arthritis, chronic lung cancer, just to name a few. His entire life can be read about at www.maconithappen.com, hosted by Midwest Crawlers Jeep Club. On September 21st and 22nd in Ottawa, Kansas, the 33rd annual Old Murray River Run. If you have been to this um i have not i know you're not much of one for car shows Uh, i went down there last year with mark and there were 3300 cars at this thing it's huge and you got to see a little bit of everything and a whole lot of weird stuff so made it more fun uh that's really a cool show i'll drive down for that one i don't go to many shows but that's worth it i'll go with you and it's sponsored by the over the road gang now on september on september 21st in grain valley missouri the eighth annual car show slash dino day for afsp just tune at 1213 Northeast Pamela Boulevard from 1.30 to 6.30 p.m. Call 816-506-3515 for more information. September 28th in Kansas City, Kansas, got the NOPW 19 Car Show. That's the uh, National Orange Popsicle Week with Johnny Waddell, who we interviewed him uh, this spring. There you go, and they got a nice venue at Kansas Speedway, 400 Speedway Boulevard from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. National Orange Popsicle Week is an organization that seeks to raise awareness that a stroke can affect any person at any age. Online registration is available for $10, but the day of show, it's $20. Uh, NOPW.org is the website. We need to have Johnny Waddell back on the show for sure. We absolutely do. If you remember, we had him in our old studio, Mm -hmm. and he came down and talked to us. Uh, His wife had a stroke when she was really young. If memory serves, she was in her early 20s. Mm-hmm. We got one more show to talk about, and this is in, on September 8th, and it's the Vail Automotive Classic in Vail Village in Vail, Colorado. And this is a really, really cool show, and it's one of the few shows I go to. Um, if you look on our website, if you look on readthedriven.com, the shot of the little town with all the cars in it, that's Vail Village. And I will be there celebrating my 
my 50th birthday. There you go. Half so, a century. Uh, that's that's an awful long time, and mm-hmm. I'm, everybody I know is surprised I'm still on this side of the dirt. Uh, of course, all the information and links to all of these shows can be found on www.readthedriven.com. Thank you so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our audience. You can find us online at readthedriven.com. Follow us on Facebook at Driven Radio Show, on Twitter at Driven Radio Show, and everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I'm Brett Hatfield for Vern Astis and Matthew Hickman, thanking you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio. 